What's up you guys, it's Miami Knight, your Master Grief Educator and Trainer coming to you today with a session on grief, talking to my friend here, Angel Smith, on her day um, for her interview here on It's the Miami Night Show Grief Talk. Angel is the wife of Myron Smith. She's a survivor fellow working with Evertown Survivor Network as a gun violence prevention voice. That's right, she shares her story here today, advocating for common gun sense laws. So let's welcome <laughs> of August 31st, 2019, the Smith family lives forever change. Myron Smith was shot and killed in a barbershop in Savannah, Georgia. Wife Angel Smith, proud mother, shared two children, Dallas and Bella, with her late husband, now identifying as survivors of gun violence. Angel state, my life is constantly evolving as I attempt to navigate this new norm that is extremely abnormal. She's a full-time nursing student to become a trauma nurse, furthering her advocacy as a voice in the medical community for the disproportionate and underrepresented victims of gun violence. She's the youngest sibling of eight. Their upbringing is rooted in Christian principles. Angel states, my spirit, though broken, is hanging on to hope for brighter days. She's a new member for the Evertown for Gun Safety Survivor Network and Moms Demand Action. Angel has been featured on Fox 28 Savannah local news station in honor of Myron's 49th birthday memorial tribute to share his story, teaching their community about the consequences of violence. Let's welcome her. Welcome back, Grief Nation listeners. And today on this series, which I'm calling The Oath, I have Angel Smith. Angel Smith, she's the wife of Myron Smith. She's a survivor fellow with the Evertown Survivor Network, a gun violence prevention advocate and voice um, for common sense gun laws. Hi, Angel. How are you? I am well. So good to see you. Oh, you're welcome. It's so good to see you finally. Good to see you as well. (laughs) So how are you feeling today? I'm feeling really good. Thank you so much for coming on the show I want to jump right into the interview. So tell us a little bit about your journey and how you became a homicide survivor of a, of a violent crime. Um, so as you previously mentioned, I am the wife or to my late husband, um, Myron Smith and our journey, um, came to be in August of 2019. Um, we basically had just come off a vacation. And um, I was here in South Carolina, me and the children, and on my way down thinking that it was just gonna be a normal Saturday for us. We had plans on going out to dinner. I got a phone call that um, my husband had been shot um, and that no one knew exactly the details surrounding it but um, that I should make it to Savannah as quickly as possible. Wow. That phone call is always the dread of our life. Yep. Uh, What did you do immediately after you hung up the phone? Where were you? Where was your mind? So I was actually driving and on the interstate, I was on 95. um, And of course, the person that called didn't have any, um, I guess they just didn't think, you know, to kind of like, 
do a climate check before dropping that type of life shattering bomb. But um, I became numb, honestly. Um, everything in my being escaped me. Um, prior to that phone call, I viewed life as never really safe, but you know, you. I had a mindset of, hey, you do the right thing, you know, you, you live by the precepts and the principles that those type of things, I, I guess I felt like it, I never saw that happening. I just couldn't see it coming in a million years. So I immediately just went to what I knew and that was God. Um, I prayed that the Lord and all of his angels just were present in that moment um, and not for me, but for him. So I was praying for his safety. And of course we immediately pray a prayer of faith because no one wants to accept that your loved one is here one moment and gone the next. Um, so it was the longest hour and 43 minutes, I think it was of my life. Um, oh, wow. Yeah. So no one could pay me to even really be able to put words in a place that even my heart, I couldn't feel anything, you mm -hmm. know, it just, it was really life shattering. I'm so thankful that you were saved. And I love that you said to do a climate check and see, these are things that people don't understand or, or you know, I guess because the, the shock of it all, even to the individual that called you, um, just didn't have, just shocked, you know? Yeah. Um, and that's kind of imperative for us to teach one another, hey, if you're calling me with some, yes, do a climate check or, yes. or just make sure that um, where I am, I mean, I know that it's hard at the time because you're just not thinking, Right. But that's a good message for us to put out there. Hey, if you're going to be delivering some news that's life altering, yep. um, make sure I'm okay and in a safe space to right. be able to yep. accept this. Right. You know, and I know that the individual is just doing what they thought that they need to do. And they just yep. make sure that his wife, you know, you got a contact. Right. Yeah, 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 yeah. Right. I, I get it. I get it. Yep. But it's a good idea to do it exactly is. what you stated. So thank you right. for hearing that. Thank you right. so much. Um, what were some of the emotional and physical reactions becoming a bereaved widow? And how do you feel about that name? How do you feel about that attachment of widow before I even go even further? So, so interesting that you asked me that because I really despise it. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I despise it simply because all of us that are on this journey, no one, you know, just like my big sister and survivor sister, Javanya, we always say it like, if someone asked us to volunteer, you know, mm -hmm. we wouldn't. And I'm a huge advocate for grace. And mm -hmm. in the word widow to me, it lacks the grace of God because it's almost like it's just, it's looked upon in a dark light, like a mm -hmm. black widow, if you would, mm -hmm. a spider, you know, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. people are spiders, but most people don't. But, you know, at this point, um, I accept it as just a part of the journey. But um, prior to, like, once everything first happened, um, a friend of mine from the area, Savannah, and this is where the incident took place, um, she connected me with um, 
my big sister and survivor sister. And we just had a conversation and this was over text. Mm-hmm. Conversation literally opened my heart because I became so guarded. Mm-hmm. I became angry. Mm-hmm. Um, I was angry because at that time I was a 33 year old wife and nursing student that felt like how does this happen? And no, I didn't feel like I was better than it. I didn't feel like, you know, I can't say I felt like it, not that it couldn't happen to me, but that it wouldn't because, you know, of the way that our life was set up, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Um, So immediately I had to reconcile and understand that as a survivor of gun violence, not just me, but every survivor, no one acts for this, you know, it's just, it's a faith walk. And so I had a conversation with God after that text um, with my survivor sister. And I said, you know, Lord, if I give these things to you, if I commit them to you, I know that you're God enough to keep them. So I came honest to mm-hmm. God mm-hmm. and I, I admitted that I was angry mm-hmm. that I, at that time had arm baby and a three-year-old that was right. looking for dad to come home. And by every reasonable rationale that should have happened mm-hmm. um I just had to reconcile all of the what ifs and the maybes and you know how we go through that working out the day we backtrack in our heads the shoulda coulda wouldas mm-hmm. um I felt confused after all of that and I know it was something that I honestly I knew it was something I could not do alone so I just gave it to God And I said, hey, I don't know when I'll be better. I don't know when I'll see any light in this very dark tunnel, but I was just committed to hoping, you know, hoping to get through it better than how I was at that time, because I really was bitter. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I was very bitter because Mm -hmm. it's a very bitter pill to swallow, Yeah, um, to go from normalcy to what is extremely abnormal mm-hmm. and to live in a society where it is it, gun violence at large not just you know black on black crime not domestic violence but just overall I mean even school shootings gun violence in from what I've experienced is extremely normalized now mm-hmm. we don't see the big headlines as we once did anymore because it has happened so much. So mm-hmm. it was just, a, uh, I was flooded with emotions and feelings, if you would. So it was just, I had to give it to God because I knew it was so heavy. I, I couldn't do it on my own. Absolutely. And thank you so much for sharing all of that because all of that is common mm-hmm. for us to experience um, in our own way. Yeah. And I think the purpose of me having this show up, the purpose of you sharing your story is so that individuals can understand that even though we are all along this path, Mm -hmm. um, which we definitely didn't sign up for, but we're here, um, all of our walks look different. And we have to do what's best for us at the time and through the walk because this is not something that um, is understandable on a daily basis. It changes so often, you know, and like you talked about each different emotion that you have, yeah. um, giving it to God and 
you know, working on what that looks like for you um, because it changes from day to day because it's like you mentioned, all of the cycles of the grief um, process um, that are nonlinear that goes um, here one day and the next, you know, you know, you'll have a different one. You can have several in one day or you can have not any at all. But I think um, for me, um, discovering what that those grief cycles were, I was just happy to understand that this was something, it was a roadmap for me to understand what I was experiencing because without the education of knowing that, um, and I'm so glad it's more talked about and more mental health is talked about and, you know, mm-hmm. just the yeah. process of grieving itself because we wasn't raised to even understand that. Nope. Mm-hmm. We were you just know? to not talk about our Correct. feelings just to do, to show up and, you know, life happens, you know, all those right. types things yeah yeah especially when it comes to be a traumatic situation who is ready to even discuss that you know first of all I'm trying to figure out hey I'm going through this thing and what my life looks like now and like you said you have a farm baby you know you're in school you know it was you had a lot um to think about outside of yourself first you know yes um so the healing process for you I'm so glad to see that you know the walk for you is exactly what it is for you and you're making it your best so thank you for showing up each day um to 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 be your authentic self and helping others at the same time um what have you done to adapt outside I know you say you gave it to God you know you, you you became hopeful um but what are some of the things what what have you done to adapt to your traumatic um loss is one and when did you decide to do something differently um, because of this unique situation that you um, experienced? Was it immediate? So it was not. Okay. It absolutely was not. Um, I was so overwhelmed with hurt immediately. Um, I was consumed with the trauma of it all. I said I wasn't even going to talk about that because I don't feel, I didn't feel strong enough to, but I have to because, yes, because you know, as well as I do immediately as a mother, um, as a spouse, we feel like we place ourselves in that moment and that alone can be earth shattering. Um, so outside of to be honest, I can't say that it was immediate. It wasn't four months. It wasn't six months. Mm-hmm. Um, it was more, I would say maybe around nine months. I kind of just came into knowing that what I was doing was not serving me. Mm-hmm. It wasn't serving my children. And that um, in in counseling, my therapist, she used this parallel and she likened you know just marriages in life to being in the middle of the ocean you know everyone no one wants to be stuck in the middle of the ocean you know it's our desire to make it to the other side but unknowingly we don't know who's going to be with us on the other side but because that has always been the goal for both my late husband and myself for our family I felt that there was no one else to do that but, but me. So I kind of just had to gather myself and really, really pull deep to say, hey, yes, I am gonna live. No, I'm not gonna let anger consume me. 
for the fact that understanding there is no justice mm-hmm. on this side of heaven, you mm-hmm. know, um, because I had a conversation with someone that really made that plain to me. And when it became plain here, yeah. eventually it resonated in my heart. Right. And so once that happened, I was like, okay, I can do this. You know, yeah. the conversation in here in the house became different with me and the kids. And it was just like almost a ray of sunshine that I could feel. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I accepted feeling because all before it was as if I was just resistant to the grief process because grief is the final act of love for someone that you lose and it never goes away. Mm -hmm. So I just kind of chose to tap into every resource that I knew, Mm -hmm. but I was just resistant to. So that's why even now I can, I can speak, you know, I somewhat hold myself together because it's like pain is taken on purpose. Yeah. 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 I I love that. It's almost like that aha moment. I, I visually was able to see you and your spot over the water, um, just, but in the water, but over the water, I, that, this, this visual, this vision that you, the words that you spoke, I was able to visually see that union of you and your spouse over the water, beautiful, beautiful, beautiful water. And that definitely was a breakthrough for you as you were saying it, I could feel it. I mean, I could literally feel the energy of, of that. And um, it's those moments that I, I cherish so much because they're so simple yeah. um, for when the connection clicks yeah. for you. So thank you, thank you, thank you for sharing that. Thank you. Because a lot of times I think individuals who are along this process, they could have gotten it, but they let it go. They didn't hold on hold on to it like yeah. you did because it. when you finally made that connection, it was like, oh, ah, you know, and something was lifted, you know. It was, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. On birthdays, I could finally feel his, you know, I could feel his spirit. All before I was so hurt, I didn't, I'm like, I want, you know, my husband here. I want my kid's father here. And of course, you can't wish it away. You can't, you know, it's life. And once that part of life comes, it's done. So finally, you know, it's like if Dallas does something around the house, Mm-hmm. I can share a smile in my heart, you know, with my late husband. And those are the moments that really get me over. Oh, oh, amen. I love that. I love that. Thank you so much for sharing that. Yeah. Um, and you did talk about you were in therapy. Um, mm-hmm. Would you like to share about um, just your experience with that and how, um, you know, how, how, how did you even come to the point that you said, you know, what, I need to speak to someone? Yeah, so... Therapy was extremely instrumental and therapeutic because I saw what I was, I knew what I was feeling. It was festering Mm -hmm. and, you know, having an understanding of emotional and physical manifestations, I knew I needed help. Um, I was resistant because our journeys are so personal to us, you know, and it's not something that's like, I don't want to talk about this with, you know, just anyone. So I did some research and I found someone whose, you know, spiritual convictions align with mine. And, you know, I was able to just tap into receiving coping skills. Cause at that point, what I was doing, just being honest, I had to take pills to sleep. Yeah. Um, I slept all day. 
you know Mm -hmm. if I heard my kids crying it was like I you know okay you know I felt like helpless if you would yeah yeah yeah. and I felt like the longer I stayed that way the longer that is what it was going to be Mm -hmm. and I I didn't want that for me or my kids so yeah wow um how did you feel about becoming and still um becoming a better woman in this process or how do you feel about that Hmm. again bittersweet Mm -hmm. because it's like okay lord you know I could have become a better woman in so many other ways, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. but it kind of just goes for, um, once we start this journey, it's ashes, you know, I think anyone will be honest and say that, Mm -hmm. but again, tapping into understanding the exchange that he promises to give us beauty for ashes. Mm -hmm. Um, I accepted that. And so with the journey comes a lot of lessons um, it comes blessings because yeah. the blessing is knowing now that I can talk to you mm-hmm. and rather we've ever physically met our hearts are completely aligned Absolutely. because I can look at you you can look at me and we know mm-hmm. I know how it may feel you know what I'm saying I can somewhat imagine so mm-hmm. um, those are big blessings to me um, so now I'm accepting of, you know, just day by day becoming better through my experiences on this journey. But again, before I can't say that was the case, but yeah. now I totally receive it. And it's just one of the gems that I take, you know. Thank you. Thank you. I love how you said that. Okay. So let's talk about your advocacy work um, you, that you've committed your life to. Um, share your experience with joining um, Moms Demand Action in Every Town, um, the fellowship. Yeah, so I'm right on the beginning of my journey um, with the organizations, but I'm so hopeful. Um, I attended um, a Zoom meeting about three weeks ago, right when I um, began the fellowship Mm -hmm. and understand the work. First of all, um, all of us that are now survivors, everyone's, I mean, we may have some similar stories, but Mm -hmm. the root of the matter, our sentiments are going to be different, but I was totally my heart was pleased with knowing that all bases are covered Um, from gun sense to just overall increasing awareness. I'm excited to be a part of that because one of the other things like we previously mentioned that's difficult to be on this journey is knowing that, you know, gun violence is so prevalent. So to be able to get involved and get active in actually pushing for legislation that are that's going to change the narrative that means everything to me and Mm -hmm. it I mean I can't even begin to tell you so to be a part of that a network of like-minded individuals Mm -hmm. is a blessing thank you thank you so much for sharing that stay tuned it's the Miami Night Show we'll be right back Frederick Myron Smith was a native of Savannah Georgia born to Mr. and Mrs. Freddie Lee Smith, an only child, friend to many, and favorite cousin to all of his cousins and family members. Myron's passions were many, but to sum them up, I'd say faith, family, football, and fitness. Out of all of these, his greatest passion was his role as a father and son. 
Nothing lit his eyes larger than the sight of his parents and his children. He was gifted with many talents, but most notably, he could draw anything with one look and calculate square roots in his head. Not to mention, he could make anyone laugh at the drop of a dime. To know him was to love him and appreciate his many layers and his ability to adapt to life, no matter the circumstance. Myron loved with his whole heart. Anyone he called friend was more like family. He often wished he had siblings, and although they were not blood, blood couldn't make them any closer. To name some of his childhood friends were Jason Wellard and family, Dwayne Simmons, Chris Brown, Chris Jacobs, also known as Little Chris, and Sean Bass. Myron graduated from Sol C. Johnson High School. Shortly after, life took an unfortunate turn. Myron made choices that cost him 13 years of his life to prison. During this time, he became extremely determined to live a life of purpose. Upon his release in 2008, he got accepted to Savannah State University's College of Engineering and in 2012 obtained a Bachelor's of Science in Environmental Engineering. Graduating magna cum laude and as a distinguished student, he was offered to address his fellow classmates and wrote a commencement speech entitled, If it is meant to be, it's up to me. Life began to skyrocket. And in 2014, Myron was offered a position and served as an air management and compliance engineer with the Department of Natural Resources, one of few minorities in the state to serve in this capacity. His life was a true testament to making mistakes, but not allowing those mistakes to define you or limit your possibilities for restoration and greatness. Myron was taken from us three months before what would have been his fifth year anniversary as an air management engineer with the DNR. Myron, my forever love, father of our children, a gentle giant, and man that should be here today. I pause to honor your brilliance and highlight the immeasurable void of losing you. My life and the lives of survivors of gun violence everywhere are one of the main reasons we all share to do our part to end gun violence. Forever, Myron, real love never ends, it transcends. And I have this question that I definitely wanted to dive into because um, of the unknown of what's to come with gun violence and just what has happened, you know, in our world, just within this year um, mm -hmm. with the deaths of um, Breonna Taylor and George Floyd and Ahmaud Aubrey, um, as a black woman in America with little brown children, with milestone conversations that you will have with your children at some point regarding social injustices. Um, what do you think in that time, and I know it's not a rush for them to grow up, but just being a mother of black children, what do you think that the conversation will be like having those conversations? How do you feel about having those conversations with your son and your daughter? I feel that as unfortunate as it is, 
it's a requirement, you know, mm -hmm. um, we don't have the luxury to not have that conversation. And in all transparency, all walks of life, um, again, every socioeconomic status, it cross, gun violence crosses it, crosses it all. So yeah. for that reason, I never um, not have that conversation. For instance, even with my four-year-old son, he loves hoodies. Mm -hmm. Every jacket I buy, he's like, mom, does it have a hoodie? <laughs> you know, I'm like, okay, you know, this is, but hey, he likes that as innocent yeah. as it is. Yeah. But immediately my mind goes to understanding that that could be taken wrong one day. So I know that I'm going to have that conversation. So I get him his hoodies now. Yeah. Dallas, Dallas, as soon as we enter the building, please pull your hoodie down. Yeah. Um, because I have a heightened awareness. Mm -hmm. um, my heart immediately goes to even the moment with his father and how, you know, just the smallest, most innocent things could be taken wrong. Yeah. So mm -hmm. the conversation has to be had um, and not just with my children, even with my nephews. I let them know that as black men, it's their responsibility to truly learn how to navigate the world in a way that will allow them to stay safe and come home. Oh, yes, 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 yes. Oh, that gave me chills. Thank you. Yes, yeah. absolutely. So how did the um, pandemic this year, how did that uh, reshape your life? <sighs> And it's still going. So, yeah. Yeah. So immediately, um, it was very difficult. Mm -hmm. It was difficult because for me as, you know, it, it takes a while to move yourself out of the role of a spouse when that is what you were. Yeah. So again, I felt so vulnerable. Mm -hmm. I knew that God is always there. I have a mom that prays so much and tries her best to keep us all covered. But mm -hmm. I felt very vulnerable, you know, because mm -hmm. I'm like, I literally went from one tragedy yeah. that the fall before to a pandemic with two small children. And so I was fighting feelings of depression and mm -hmm. a lot of different things that the pandemic brought along. I actually contracted the virus. So me and my children, we were here and it was a scary, scary, scary time. Wow. Um, wow. That, that coupled with gun violence being on the rise all of it was very unnerving, if you would. Because um, it was just like we had a pandemic, we have a pandemic on our hands, and then we have this rise in protests. Um, we have Jacob Blake, we have the incident with King Vaughn, the rapper. Um, just the prior year, we had Nipsey Hussle. So it was all just overwhelming. It was so overwhelming. And so just in time, you know, just imploring those coping skills. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So how do you feel about the Biden-Harris transition? And I'm going to ask you um, if you could speak to President-elect Joe Biden and Madam Vice President Kamala Harris, what would be one of the most pressing issues and concerns for them to address for you? Well, one, I feel that the transition, um, I'm thankful, you know, that we are here in this space. Um, it's, it's time has been up for a lot of things that we've experienced, but I'm thankful that we can somewhat breathe a little bit. Um, the transition, I'm, I'm hopeful that, you know, everyone makes all of these grand and grandiose promises on the campaign trail, um, just like President-elect 
um, Biden often said that we are in a battle for the soul of this nation. If I could say anything to him, I would remind him of that statement. And I will remind him of the disproportionate rate that people, colored people like you and myself, that we're in the battle for our lives, you know, um, that in that every promise that has been made, finally, we're on the brink, we're hoping for change in Georgia with gun sense law and just senators that are going to push that I will remind them that that is the work that is necessary because it is what is going to reshape the world around us. So mm -hmm. that would be the conversation. That would be what is most important to me to not allow the hype of President Trump and all the scandals to overshadow what's really important. And what's important is that we, that we truly have equality. So that would be, we have equality and that your grandchildren, your children, my children, that we can coexist in a world and feel safe. That's a baseline human right, and that has to be restored. So that's what I would advocate for. Come on, sister. I, I see you on the campaign trail to yourself coming soon, I, even though I, you don't I, be in nursing school. <laughs> I hear it I'll in the <laughs> I love it. Come on, sis. Oh, love it, love it, love it. So what is your oath? Uh, being a part of this um, fellowship and sharing your story as often as you can share it and having these uh, mixed emotions of, of your journey, um, what's your call to action? My call to action is through everything. Um, I think every, I don't really care for using the word loss, but I'll say it just for context. I think every loss brings about a duty and a responsibility. And mine is to stay true, mm -hmm. um, to stay true to my journey, stay true to myself, stay true to God, but to stay true and present to the world around me. And that's what will always keep me hoping and advocating for gun sense law, for um, just increasing the awareness in our communities that we have to get it together. Um, my call to action is to never give up. Um, I plan to be as active as I can in the organizations. And I truly plan, I, I hope that my life and my journey is a light to someone that one day, unfortunately, is going to come behind me, but that can see, well, hey, she made it, um, and I can too. Absolutely. And and yeah. I heard you mention, um, that was beautiful to say, by the way, I heard you mention that you don't like to say the word loss. Okay, that's a, 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 a euphemism that um, a lot of people may say passed away, some may say transition, some may say died. <laughs> What is the better word for you? Because I want you to identify what that word is for you so that you use that word um, and not have to worry yeah. about loss or whatever. You, um, yeah. It's your voice. So what's the word right. that you like to use? Um, that is something that I'm still discovering. The, mm -hmm. the, um, the contention with loss is that, you know. It is what it is. <laughs> it right. And that, you know, I know a lot of people, I, even myself, but it's like, I can lose an earring. Yeah. You know, mm -hmm. I didn't lose my husband. He was taken away. Absolutely. Um, there we go. Right there. So, so, so that's my kind of like, I'm mm -hmm. like, hold up. Something about that doesn't connect here. Yeah. So um, 
Yeah. And even transition, I can agree with that because spiritually we do transition Mm -hmm. and um, I've been teetering, accepting, you know, just using that word. Mm -hmm. I'm so glad to have that conversation because there's so many people feel that way um, and don't and and haven't had um, and haven't spoken up about it. So I'm glad Mm -hmm. that even came up, Uh, you know, when I um, get ready to um, even get in a headspace to do the podcast, you know, I expect to show up and and be present Mm -hmm. and bring out what needs to be brought up, even though that's so simple, somebody else is going to get that. I thank you for that. That <laughs> helped me on today. I received that because as much as I look forward to this, it was this little eerie feeling that was making me anxious. So I thank you so much for that. Oh, you're absolutely, you're so welcome. Let's talk about this nurse journey. And every time I see something about nursing, uh, 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 individual in school, because I have a girlfriend that's also in school too right now. It's, I can't, I'm in nursing school. What is that journey like? That, the journey is, Mm. it's it has its rewards I can say because you know being it's an honor to be able to um, even enter the field you know to have the space to do that yeah um and and I can say what keeps me going is I know that one day I may be able to hold the hand of a spouse that was once in my shoes or someone Mm. I would bring more than just medical understanding and service I'd be able to have an aligned heart with someone just like me. So that is what keeps me going because the journey to becoming yeah. is very, very rough. Oh, yes, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Thank it's you. very rough. Thank yeah. you for sharing. But I think, I think, yeah, I think, you know, we only make up 5% of the whole medical field. Whereas when we think about gun violence and we think about the disproportionate rate of our black men in critical situations mm-hmm. that needs to change. So that is what keeps me going on this journey. Well, thank you so much for sharing that too. And share a, I had asked um, you to share a personal quote um, and let us know why that's so important to you. I have quite a few, but um, I would say this particular quote is important to me. I'm trying to remember which one I chose. The uh, Job, the um, scripture that um, that when he has tested me, that I'll come forth as gold. Um, that is my mantra because on every end of life, I think we all are tested. It's not just me, um, but it's the hope, it's the speaking it that you know. Even the thing that we can't see, it it just forces your spirit to align with hope. Um, And so I know that going through something as traumatic as I am going through for me and my kids, it's a faith walk every single day. I feel tested in my spirit. I feel tested, you know, um, emotionally, physically, I feel tested, but um, it's just hanging on to that hope that in the promises that I know are there from God. Um, it, it's what really, really navigates my life. Absolutely. And leave us with uh, one of your favorite memories of Myron. Oof. That is so, that's a good one. I would say my fondest memory was of Myron and I 
being bored in the house. He left for a minute. I didn't know what he was doing. I thought maybe he had just gone to the store. But he came back with this little wagon looking thing. He hooked it up to the back of his bike. I got on my bike. He threw Dallas in the back and we went for a beautiful bike ride. We had so much fun. We laughed, we talked, and we were able to just get out and connect. So that's one of my fondest memories. And you just light up when, when you speak. Yeah, it was was fun. It was a lot of fun. Oh, you, you, you truly light up just speaking about him. So, uh, so dear, so dear. And, um, what does this phrase mean for you as a part of your journey until death do, until death do us part? What does that mean for you speaking to other women that have lost their husbands, their spouses, their wives. Um, What does that mean for you now? Mm, That means until death do us part. I would say that that means, for one, I will put it in context to physically, you know, um, physically doing you away from your spouse. But to any spouse, what I would say is, I would accept until death do us part, but I would also encourage them to tap into knowing that real love never parts. Mm -hmm. We keep it in our hearts. And so I would ask that they just tap into knowing that um, and keeping the oneness in their heart with their spouse, because there is a way to do that and accept that they have physically transitioned. So that's what I would say to any spouse, because we don't marry with this plan mm-hmm. you know we don't have a contingency plan for our losing our loved one or them transitioning um so i would just say the one thing for me is i held on because i i simply didn't i held on because i did not want to let go and i will let them know that you absolutely don't have to mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you don't have to yeah you can hang on yeah and i absolutely feel um and to death to us part doesn't mean that it's over you, you no. know it doesn't I still have even though I, I'm speaking in terms of my son after I lost my son I, I, I still have a relationship with him because I I create the atmosphere too um mm-hmm. and it allows them to come in and spirit to come in and to guide me and lead me no matter if you know things changes down the line and you ever get remarried, you still yeah. will have that ability to have his spirit there. You have mm-hmm. children. So, um, mm-hmm. you know, I don't think that it has to end. Um, it, it doesn't, it, it absolutely does physical plane, but not, you know, spiritually. Yeah. 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 So thank you so much. So what, if I ask you grief is, then what would you say to what grief is or has been for you? I would say, that grief is a journey of unknowns that's covered by, by grace. And you can um, also add to that. What, if, if you could add to that for me, grief is not. Grief is not the end. It's the beginning of something more 
I don't want to say more meaningful, but it is the beginning of something that you have, that your heart has to be willing to navigate. Mm-hmm. It's the beginning of something your heart has to be willing to navigate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Grief is, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Willingness. Yeah, I like that. Yes, yes. And before I let you go, what has your attention been a leader and a, um, in your community, excuse me, what has your attention being a leader in your community that you would like to see change and bring further awareness to, whether if that's a garden violence or if that's, you know, you um, coming into the um, workforce as a, a nurse, what is something that you would like to see change? In, in, our, in my community, I would have to absolutely say Ricky Smiley um, made, he came up with an analogy when his daughter was um, injured um, by gun violence, um, that we have to fix the house before we can fix the yard. That would be my, that is the most important thing to me in the community is that people that look like you and I, that there is, it's beyond a conversation at this point. Um, it's a spiritual cleansing that needs to happen in our communities that changes the way we relate to one another, that um, gives us a higher moral guide in terms of how we are governing ourselves. And yes, I mean, gun violence. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. That was good. So that, that was most important to me. Yeah. Hands Thank you. Thank you so much, Angel, for sharing your day with us. And you, by the way, you have a twin, right? I do. I have a twin sister. (laughs) Oh my gosh. I know your mother and your father, they just enjoyed uh, the the two of you uh, because I (laughs) Yep. Oh, wow. So I have to get a picture definitely because I want to make sure I I put her... um, on the reel to, to showcase the beauty of two of you. And I know she, she has been going through this journey with you and have had, oh, yes. you know, um, that so much compassion because you are twins. So I know you guys feel each other's spirit and just because I'm sure yeah. you're connected so well. Um, so how yeah. has that been for the two of you? It has been, I mean, next to God and my mom, no one has been more supportive. Um, I knew the love was so real. Our birthday was shortly after we laid Myron to rest and her husband had all of these elaborate plans and she canceled them. Mm-hmm. Um, she canceled them to be present. She did the same for our first Christmas and it's now to the point where I have to tell her, hey, I'm okay. Oh. You know, you do your duty as a wife, you know, in your ministry to your husband and your family, because it's almost like she wanted to just jump in my skin and take it. Yeah. And I'm like, you know, it just doesn't work that way. Like, this is something I have to go through. I have to navigate on my own. So um, I view her in a totally different way now. Mm-hmm. Um, 
it makes me cherish every moment with not just her, but my family members. Um, those are the jewels and the gems that I've taken on this transition. I don't take anyone for granted now. Um, every opportunity to show love, to spread love, that is what brings me joy now. Oh, wow, wow. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Angel, for sharing your day with me and coming on Insta Miami Night to share your story, uh, which is so powerful. And you left us so many gems uh, to uh, so that Migration Nation listeners can have the ability to heal, um, learn, and I absolutely change their lives just simply by your voice. So thank you so much for being on Insta Miami Night Show. And thank you for having me. You're welcome. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Well, there you have it, Grief Nation listeners, and thank you for tuning in to another transformative segment on It's the Miami Night Show Grief Talk. Today, we give thanks filled with love and gratitude for our special guest, Angel Smith, for expressing your very unique grief journey and sharing ways of understanding the healing process. This is your girl, Miami Night, with much love and light until we connect again spiritually. Bye-bye. He's got me walking that grief walk. Going slow mo. He's got me talking that grief talk. Going slow mo. He's got me clocking the way. It's the Miami Night Show. Hey yeah. He's got me walking that grief walk. Going slow mo. He's got me talking that grief talk. Going slow mo. He's got me clocking the way. What up, tribe? It's Miami Night Show, Master hey, Coach. Yeah. Welcome to the Miami Night Show. He got me walking that grief walk. It's time for grief talk, y'all. Yeah. I talk about things you think about. It's Miami Nitro, Master Grief Coach. Master Grief Coach.